Hello there, Mind Shakers. Welcome to another episode of the Mind Shake Podcast. This podcast has been developing and growing beyond our expectations. And we would like to thank you for your continual support. That's all. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to season two, episode two of the Mind Shack podcast. Mind Shack is a Generation Z podcast that focuses on discussing societal issues, entrepreneurial leadership, and borders on topic in psychology for Africans. So that said, please check us out on all relevant social media. That's at mind underscore shack underscore, particularly Instagram, where you get a lot of quick updates of what's going on. Today's episode is an interesting episode. I'm pretty excited. First of all, it's the first episode I'm back. So I'm definitely excited to be getting into the topic I've been given right here. Our topic for today is influential people for modern Africa. So we'll firstly be framing what we're talking about and breaking down and sharing our, point, our opinions on the topic. So in order to do that, I've got a, sh- a quick little announcement to make, which is myself being joined by a new member of the team for this episode, making his debut as a host of the podcast. For those that follow us on social media, you already know. If you don't, please follow us on social media. It's none other than Shane Kwezi Masumbuko. So Shane, do me a favor. Tell us who you are, what you're doing currently, what you're excited about in this season, and then what our topic for today is. What's good, guys? My name is Kwezi. I'm from Burundi, currently in Kenya, though. I'm here chilling living my best life. So I'm a second year business student at ALU and I became a new host because I wanted to have these really cool conversations with my friends and seeing the next topics that we have aligned for this season, I think that's what I'm going to be doing. So get ready for some really cool, cool content. Thank you so much, Crazy. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to be joining us, man. I've seen the way you move, the way you talk. I feel like your articulation, the way you think and speak about big topics is really, really going to be helpful for us. So thank you so much again for joining us. So without further ado, we'll just move on into another important part, a short little announcement of our guests. So in order to break this topic down, I'm going to go ahead and introduce two guests we've decided to bring on for this particular episode. These guests are learned. Uh, we can start off with who we have as Grace. Um, my name is Grace Ajeshina. I am an ex-librarian. Um, what am I currently doing? I'm currently unemployed. I'm thinking about grad school, dreading grad school. Um, so taking a gap year at the moment. Um, and right now um, I'm a poetry editor for a literary magazine. And I'm also trying to build a sound memory Pan-African archive. I joined or accepted the invitation to join the podcast today because the topic seemed not just urgent and crucial, um, but also fascinating. I think it's really important to start to have these conversations around what this liberation, um, political determination look like for us as Africans and as Black people. Um, so this is really my jam. Thank you so much. You mentioned Sound Memory Archive. I really want to go into that in a future life, but we won't go into it now, but that's really interesting. Now I'm going to give an opportunity to our second guest to go ahead and introduce themselves. So Rukuzo, you can go ahead. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. Uh, My name is Rukuzo. I'm from Zimbabwe. I'm currently a final year student in social sciences at the African Leadership University. 
So apart from crying because of dissertation stress, <laughs> uh, I'm just working towards uh, finalizing um, my schoolwork, which is going to be done in seven weeks. I honestly cannot wait to be done. So for me, the main reason why I found this topic really interesting and why I accepted this invitation is about six months ago, I formally resigned as the co-founder of Mtabe. Uh, which is an online education technology platform that provides educational content to students. And I've interacted with all these influential young people around Africa. And I feel like this, like Grace said, it's a crucial moment for us to start addressing how we are, you know, sharing inspiration and grooming other young people through the experiences that we've had, you know, to continue growing the network. So this is why I joined um, this particular episode. I feel like you two, apart from what you said, are also really fitting for a conversation that allows for us to get a little deep on the topics we're sharing today. The goal of this episode is to discuss how influential people in modern Africa build their influence and how they use it for the greater good of the continent, the importance of that. So our first question of the day, why and how have some positive influences in your life impacted you? Um, I think that's a very, I think, potent, but also nuanced question. Um, and in the sense that oftentimes um, there is this assumption that, you know, the people who change our lives the most are the, the most charismatic people, for example, or the people who have had such rippling impacts um, in the world um, that, you know, it is almost self-evident that these people should be influential. But for me, I think it's been more the um, the opposite. Um, the people that are, you know, are the most inspiring um, influences positively, you know, um, viscerally for me, are people who are relatively unknown, the nameless people. Um, so I find people who, you know, are always pulsing and pushing against systems that marginalize them um, extremely, extremely inspiring. Um, people who are able to create um, worlds that, you know, are, have not been established, who are able to live in the margins of the world, um, for me, are the most inspiring people. So I guess close to home, I would say um, the women in my life, in my family, um, for me, are the most inspiring people. Um, the people who make home, um, that I make home with, um, of people that I aspire to be like, because um, I think that these are people who are able to fashion um, placehood, um, who are able to fashion belonging um, and safety for me um, when, you know, the world seems hostile. So the women, the women in the world who push against, you know, systems, um, even when they don't language it as that, right? They do what needs to be done. Um, these are the people that I find most inspiring in my life. And I think I agree to the most parts. You articulated quite well how it's people that have been marginalized in some way, people that have challenges in front of them that are breaking those challenges in order to make impact in the communities that are really influential in your life. I too can answer in a very similar way because yeah, there's disadvantages and disadvantages in different environments we're born into. So some people have been able, and I always find it interesting to find a way to make it a success of their life and impact in other people's lives, although they had it in the 
roughest and toughest way. So Rukudzo, if you don't mind also just sharing a little bit of what you think a person in your life, how a person in your life has influenced you and why. Uh, for me, I feel like each and every time we want to look at influential people, we forget the most important people who help us shape who we are. I'll give you an example of myself, my character, my values, who I am. It starts with who raised me, what I've seen growing up, who have I been interacting with. So all of those things, they shape the way we see the world. And I believe that's the greatest influence. For me, one of my greatest influence, I think this could be a cliche, is my mother. I mean, I've seen her interact with people. I've seen her tackle challenges and problems. And I just step back and be like, wow, you know, this is a hero. But this is somebody who's probably will never be known. But she's had so much influence in the way I relate with people, in the kind of values I hold today the way I conduct myself around people. One of my greatest influences as well is my father. My interests come from him, you know, and the kind of interactions I have with him. So I feel like each and every time we talk about, uh, you know, influence, we go to far off people, yet we don't look at the people who are close to us have helped shape who we are today and the way we see the world and the way we interact and they in the way we perceive things. So, yeah, I would say for me, when it comes to influential people, it starts with the people who are closest to me and people around me. Love your answer. I really do. And my first question was kind of related to that. You both talked about the people that influenced you were the people who were mostly in your entourage, your mom family members i really get that and i wanted to ask grace in nigeria who who's considered as influential and how do you get to that point um i think for my generation which is i guess you call them you know the cross between the millennials and the generation z there's been a lot of um influential people that have you know popped up from i guess the tech space but i think that you know there's been like a type of tech uh, revolution sweeping the country um, and so there's been a lot of like young um, people who have you know been doing things in that space uh, but the the space that I think that I'm much more familiar with uh, are also younger people who have been active in um, advocacy and activism um, and I think one um, notable person is Kiki Modi um, and they are one of the uh, brain behind the Sex for Grades documentary that aired, I think, um, last year. Um, and so I think Fundamental was a work in basically unpacking some of like the very dogged, um, very nefarious, very sexist um, undertones and overlays in Nigerian universities. Um, and this basically galvanized like a whole feminist movement um, around um, not just the university, but also the market spaces as well. Um, so a lot of there were a lot of like riots um, and protests that happened, um, basically having people agitate for women's rights across Nigeria. Um, so I think Kikimodi is one person that I would say uh, fits the the label or the bill as an influential person. That's so cool. I really like that project. Rukudzu, if I go to Harare, 
what determines someone who's influential? Uh, so I, I think uh, probably five to 10 years ago, if you had asked me this question, I would give you a list of probably, you know, just politicians and activists and educated people. But I feel like, you know, with the coming of technology and it, you know, being more widespread in our countries and on the continent at large, we now also have social media influencers. I mean, Twitter is a big thing in Zimbabwe currently because it's like one of those spaces where people are like attacking the government and exercising activism and agency as well. So, you know, so influence right now now spans across different sectors, different, you know, spheres or zones of influence where people basically have like different skill sets and then they use those to influence people. So on Twitter, you'll find um, people like uh, Fadzai Mahir. She's now also into mainstream politics. She's doing great in terms of advocating for women's rights and for political rights and for, you know, democracy. You go online, you see people like Bus Stop TV, you see Magamba Network. They're doing a great job in engaging people and informing people these are like groups and not just like people and then you have sports people who are doing great people like marvelous nakamba and then we have young entrepreneurs as well like farai mjoma like um, mcdonald chirara like simba muriro a whole lot of people who are working towards you know making lives better in different spheres so if you are to ask me about Harare, I'll be like, are you talking about food? Because we even have food influencers, we have um, YouTubers, vloggers, and they all have a respectable following. And I believe they are actually influencing people, whether for the good or bad, but I mean, influence is still influence at the end of the day. Right now, we're going to a quick break. This break is one to say thank you. Thank you to you, our listener for your feedback, for engaging with our podcast on our various social media as we work to improve and incorporate it. We urge you to continue to do so as we set sail. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Well put, well put, Rukudzo. I think, yeah, um, these people you're mentioning kind of stirred me up. You're mentioning some people in our community and stuff like that. That is um, so important when you started off with 15, 30, 15, 20 years ago, it being a, a question that you might have answered differently. I, I can relate so much and completely understand you being also from Zim as well. It's a conversation that um, there are few individuals that are actually going out there, having got the skill and bringing it back to Zimbabwe. Uh, that's how I'll add to this. I feel as though a lot of people are seeing Zimbabwe's state and instead of using their newfound skills instead of using their new education to come back and better the environment they were born in, they leave the country. I feel that's part of the problem. Rukudzo, why do you think it's important for women, let's bring this, this gender topic in, to be involved in scientific, tech, engineering, and math spaces, the STEM space? Um, so I'll tell you two of my own personal experiences. The first one, I was in Cape Town and we just gotten our first round of funding. And I walked into the room with other co-founders and in a team of about 15 men, there were only two of us that were women. And the gap is just so 
it's just so there like it's the void is there it's, you, you cannot you cannot imagine it and for me i'm like why are things like this and then the second time we went for this meeting in tanzania i was the only woman in the room where we were discussing possible tech solutions to the vast amount of africa's problems and if you are to go to the demographics of africa most of the people on the continent are women and i'm like where are the women who make up most of the population where we are making decisions you know, that, you know, pertain their lives. So to me, I'm like, I feel like it's important for us to, you know, encourage and also put in work to make sure that women are within those spaces. Why? Because not only are they the most people, two, you know, some of those products or policies or everything that's being discussed, they get to also be recipients of them. And without their voice, it will not benefit them. It will continue to, you know, be of detriment and continue to um, suppress them in a way or so. I remember I was reading this weird article about how a lot of inventions are actually not gender sensitive. So this is where all these things come from because, you know, we're not having women occupy those spaces, not because they don't want to, but we are fighting systems or we have systems in place that make it 10, 50 times more difficult for women to occupy those spaces. You want to go into politics, the black, oh, you're a woman. How are you going to be in parliament and be on your period? Trust me, I've seen such kind of responses. You want to get into tech or oh, now that you're doing a very difficult job, do you think you'll get married? So many different obstacles are coming up and they're hindering women from entering to those spaces. Yet it's very crucial because it also brings in this whole new wave of innovativeness because, you know, we are tired of having spaces, you know, having just one voice, mostly the masculine voice, but bringing in different voices is good for the whole continent because it brings in new ideas, new perspectives of how to see things. So this is why I think it's very, very important for us to have women in those spaces. Yeah, that's really, really true. Um, this patriarchal kind of system we've lived in, in is, uh, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of examples of things being done wrong in some cases. Um, there could be a number of factors playing a part, but definitely there's a problem when you look into the statistics and see that a small percentage or lower percentage of women is holding up positions of management. And we need that. We need women of influence to step into these positions. Grace, please, please go ahead. I echo intensely what Kuzo shared about how um, we need to go beyond just like parity, right? Um, that this is a systemic problem. And when we're thinking about systems, you cannot think about systems without thinking about power, right? Because systems dictate how power um, is shared among people um, who has the capacity to wield power over who. Um, and what are some of the things that the people who power is wielded on do not have access to enact, right? So oftentimes we, we generally tend to think of STEM subjects as this you know, pseudo-neutral, objective, um, pure facts-based um, or reason-based um, fields. Um, and I think one of the fundamental fear, at least the way that I postulate or hypothesize, is that it is in the best interest of this patriarchal capitalist system um, to 
ration um, or gatekeep the people of other genders that they allow into it, right? I want us to go beyond just the, the representational value of having these people, right? Because the patriarchy goes beyond just, the patriarchy is socializes you. So even as a woman, it is possible for you to be instituted or be installed as like a leader in like this spheres um, and still push a very patriarchal agenda, right? Because women also have internalized um, sexism as well, right? So I think going beyond what does a world that is not undergirded by patriarchal um, fantasies or patriarchal supremacy, what does it look like for people? Um, and my, my push to us is that I hope it looks more than just having an equal number of women in the room. And we all know that with great power comes great responsibility can quote me on that. What do you guys think are the responsibilities that come with being an influent person? And do you even think that there are any responsibilities that should come with it? Uh, so for me, I feel like the number one responsibility when you are a person in, in, who's very influential is probably being sincere and truthful and having some certain level of integrity, right? Because when you influence people, you are likely going to have them following the, the things you do or probably changing some certain lifestyles of their own or, you know, basically modeling their life to probably simulate yours or be exactly like yours. So if you have such power, I think it is very important for you to be very, very sincere and truthful about the processes that you've gone through, about the actual things that go into your life. Because oftentimes influencers, they, they become demigods and they do not necessarily share the true, you know, the true nature or the, the true picture of what they're going through or how they got with, they got to. And this puts unnecessary pressure on people. I know probably with social media, you know, you look a certain way. If it's a filter, say I used filter X, Y, Z, so that all these other people who look at you don't feel imperfect or like something's wrong with them or they feel like they need to fork out millions of dollars to go get exactly something like that. If it's starting a business, be truthful. How did you get there? I usually see memes of people saying, oh, you know, I started my chicken business with one egg. You know, those funny, funny memes of how influencers are basically not being truthful and it's slowly tainting the kind of reputation they have on social circles. Let me step back at that point. What passion projects for social impact are you part of right now? In the past, I've worked in sexual reproductive health. I feel like it's a very important sector that people should, uh, you know, consider to work in. It's something that I usually do, usually on my spare time, although not now. Also, you know, education, technology, and biasly women empowerment. So if you are to look at my portfolio or my profile, you'd realize that most of the projects that I usually work on are 
based mainly to empower women it could be through sexual reproductive health rights it could be through education it could be through civic engagement so i'm in the process of talking to friends so that we can start um you know tech hubs in rural zimbabwe which is going to be a very daunting task but well we're going to see how it works out but in the meantime i'm pro that dissertation <laughs> so I, I feel like I echo Rukuzi's point around this uh, wanting to give academia a wide breath at the moment. Uh, I am involved in, I guess you call it a passion project. Oh my God, I really cannot afford passion projects in this capitalist existence. Um, but uh, like I mentioned, I think when we started, um, I'm currently driving um, a sound memory archive project. Um, and I think this ties into, you know, the bigger picture of things that I'm interested in. So the archive, which is still in like <laughs> nascent, nascent stages, um, is focused on what does it mean to create a sonic memory repository that houses um, the sounds of Black people. Um, and one of the core focus of this archive was that I wanted it to resist um, these obsessions we had around history-making moments. So um, one of the push of the archive is to record the mundane and the everyday of Black living. Um, so that's the, that's the project in a nutshell. Um, a lot of my obsessions, and I call them obsessions because they really are that consuming, is I am interested in what does it mean to collectively liberate ourselves. Um, if we if we say that we are currently occupying um, as Black people a position in the world that um, sub subjugation is meant to our existence right now, what does liberation look like for us? Um, and so I, I gesture towards any like project from that foundational base. Um, and I think true liberation in the way that I desire or the way that I want to see the world organize itself can come can only come from um, the most marginalized of us all. Um, and so I orient all the things that I'm passionate about around that. So um, what I like what I'm interested in going to school for is around that. You know, the projects that I decide to engage in is also around black liberation and black self-determination specifically. I think that for me right now, there is always like a type of internal conflict or tension around this desire for, you know, black, eventual black liberation and the forces that com that compel me to assimilate into this current system. Yeah, I hope everyone that's listened so far, it's been an episode that you've gained something from and I, I hope it's an episode that's kind of stirred you up to do something in your space and community. Wow, you listened through to the end. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at mind underscore shack underscore. And if you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or all of them. There's going to be more exciting episodes to come. So see you on the next one.